As I mentioned, hi, welcome back to the Ocean Matters podcast. As I mentioned in the previous recording, I'm going to go back to a series of recordings on climate topics affecting the ocean and have the consequences of them, uh, what the current reality is, and so on. Just because I've been talking about other things, I thought I would come back to it and pick out some articles and and bring it back to, because it's also getting a lot more presence in the press, and I think that's a good thing. And um, here's an article, and it was in Presenza, the international press agency, Presenza, P-R-E-S-S-E-N-Z-A.com. I'll make sure it's in the notes, and that way you can have a look at how they write, and they write in different languages also. This is about the ocean, and if you recall last year, everyone was talking about the incredible heat that was going on. Um, I spoke a lot more on the Mediterranean and how it was affecting so many new regions. I went on to expect, uh, explain a few more of the consequences of climate, but the Mediterranean being quite the demonstration last year. <clears throat> and it's going to just carry on. And um, But from a global perspective, I found this article that I think sums it up quite nicely. The title um, is uh, sets it off, and um, it was issued on the 13th, that's uh, yesterday, so fresh off the press, as we used to once say, and the author of this article is somebody called Robert Hunziker, Hunziker, H-U-N-Z-I-K-E-R. Let's go for it. The ocean heat bomb ignites. For the first time that scientists can recall, sea surface temperatures that always recede from annual peaks are failing to do so, staying high. Global warming and extensive overfishing have damaged ocean ecosystems well beyond recognition from only a few decades ago. Still on its own accord, the ocean stood tall for over 3 billion years, but less. In less than one human lifetime, it is teetering like never before, and credible studies claim the world's oceans could be devoid of life within only three decades. This is one of the most troubling transformations of all time. Nothing compares to it. Absolutely nothing. The ocean heat bomb is all about the impact of global warming and overfishing, neither of which is high enough on to-do lists of countries to help sustain ecosystems. It should be noted that Wall Street's embrace of going green for a profit won't come close, not enough scale soon enough, to solving the global warming problem, but there's plenty of green to be made. By all appearances, the love affair with fossil fuels is a permanent fixture, according to IEA. Data. Fossil fuels constitute 80% of energy over the past 50 years, with no change as of 2023. And a reality check big banks and investment firms have joined the ranks of companies making net aero pledges. But their huge stakes in oil and gas projects are undermining their climate promises. Moreover, as if an overheated ocean is not enough of a headache, overfishing is totally out of control, nearly wiping out several species. Over 11,000 sharks killed per hour at risk of extinction in part of a brew of tasteless shark fin soup. The oceans are a gigantic heat sponge, absorbing 90% of planetary heat, enabling life to go on within its 10,000-year Goldilocks Holocene cycle. 
Not too hot, not too cold. But times are changing very rapidly. For the first time that scientists recall, sea surface temperatures that always recede from annual peaks are failing to do so, staying high with scientists warming that this underscores an underappreciated but grave impact of climate change. Year by year, ocean warming is increasing at an absolutely staggering rate, Jean-Baptiste Salé, research scientist of the French National Centre for Scientific Research. Scientists are now warming that human-generated greenhouse gases are demonstrably exposing the worst possible scenario with the ocean turning into a global warming heat bomb. What goes around comes around. It appears that the ocean heat bomb has ignited. According to U.S. NOAA observatory recordings, in early April 2023, average surface temperatures of the oceans, excluding polar waters, hit an all-time high of 21.1 degrees centigrade. More than a passing interest, that all-time high might be goosed much higher by an upcoming El Nino weather phenomenon, triggering the ocean heat bomb by loading more onto the climate system. As such, the 2022 unprecedented disaster year whacking every continent a continent with destabilizing floods, droughts, heat, and fire may be bush league when compared to what's in store for 2023-2024. For perspective, it's important to recall that 2022 was influenced by La Nina, a natural cooling cycle, yet near-record heat consumed the planet. La Nina didn't help, which can only register as a telling disappointment. According to NASA, if the cooling impact of La Nina is factored into the equation, 2022 was the warmest year on record. The most immediate consequence of too much ocean heat will be more severe marine heat waves which are comparable to terrestrial wildfires or rainforests. These underwater fire equivalents degrade, destroy underwater kelp forests. West Coast Pacific kelp losses and Great Barrier Reef coral bleaching while also negatively altering key life-giving nutrients and oxygen needed for all sea life. Poof! The basic ingredients of a major ecosystem. Gone. This comes as the world's oceans are already reeling from overfishing, chemical plastic pollution, and acidification whilst overly stimulated by too much heat. The ocean heat bomb threatens the lifeblood of civilization in a multifaceted manner and is expected to push back at some juncture, by transferring heat back out. Could this spark a runaway overheated planet? Of course. It's not only the human heat machine at work, it's also human insatiableness, agglutinousness, that ignores sustainability, destroying world fishing stock with remarkable speed and efficiency as the modern fishing fleet literally clobbers sea life. Overfishing is a direct threat to future human consumption of seafood, According to research conducted by the World Counts, which is a sort of a state of the planet real-time data, the world's oceans could be virtually emptied for fish by 2048. A study shows that if nothing changes, we will run out of seafood in 2048. If we want to preserve the ecosystems of the sea, change is needed. The four-year study of 7,800 marine species concluded that the long-term trend is clear and predictable. It's on a steep downward slope. Almost 90% of global marine fish stocks are now overfished, and wild capture fisheries struggle without sound regulatory frameworks and strong enforcement. 
Globally, data on fishing and fish stocks are insufficient to support proper management. A concerted national and international effort is needed to collect, analyze, and interpret fishing data for policymaking. Nevertheless, according to the world counts as for fish stocks, roughly 80% of world fisheries are overly exploited, depleted, or in a state of collapse. Worldwide, 90% of large predatory fish, such as sharks, tuna, marlin, and swordfish, are already gone. For example, according to the International Tuna Conservation Commission, the stock of Atlantic bluefin tuna has plummeted to 13%, 13% from its 1950 level. And according to SciDev.net and the UN Food and Agri-Org, Pacific Bluna, bluefin tuna is estimated to be 4 to 5% of its 1950 levels. The ocean's problems are known. The solutions escape authorities. Today's world fishing fleet has enough capacity to cover four Earth-like ocean systems. It's high-tech and eerily similar to strip mining on land. According to Canadian journalist Michael Harris, we're using the black magic of technology to make a desert of the sea. Almost totally unregulated, the oceans are open prey for massive technologically advanced fishing fleets that literally scoop up everything, tossing aside bycatch, such as sharks. Mostly, these are Chinese vessels that prowl the seas. The Overseas Development Institute claims China's distant water fishing fleet has 17,000 vessels. The United States distant water fleet numbers 300. Having depleted the seas close to home, the Chinese fishing fleet has been sailing farther afield in recent years to exploit the waters of other countries, including those in West Africa and Latin America, where enforcement tends to be weaker as local governments lack the resources or inclination to police their waters. Most Chinese distant water ships are so large that they scoop up as many fish in one week as local boats from Senegal or Mexico might catch in a year. According to the IUU, the Illegal Unreported Unregulated Fishing Index, China is ranked as the world's worst abuser of sea laws, especially shark finning. China's gigantic refrigerated vessels, referred to as motherships, upload the catch on, of the Chinese fleet, thus allowing an entire fleet of trawlers to fish 24-7 without returning to port for weeks on end. The ocean heat bomb fuse has been ignited. The question is whether it can ex be extinguished before it's too late. The most likely answer is no, it cannot be extinguished. Not because it is impossible, but rather because there is no coordinated worldwide plan to do so. After all, it's underwater where nobody sees, and statistics about the status of ocean fishing stock are suspect and subject to considerable conjecture and easily criticized. Where is a credible world-coordinated plan to sustain ocean ecosystems? Where is a credible world-coordinated Marshall Plan type of concerted effort to combat global warming with the funding in place and the wherewithal to make a difference? These do not exist in the face of abundant factual evidence of a planet that's screaming, help me. However, there simply is not enough focus or enough scale committed to controlling or ameliorating the deleterious impact of human-caused global warming that's changing the climate ten times faster 
than seen in any paleoclimate study of Earth's history going back a billion years. Furthermore, cleaning up the mess is an overwhelming task from the get-go. Meanwhile, greenhouse gases set new records by the year. Every year without fail, the observations collected by NOAA scientists in 2022 show that greenhouse gas emissions continue to rise at an alarming pace and will persist in the atmosphere for thousands of years, said Rick Spinrad, NOAA's administrator. Year over year, there's more and more degradation, more and more greenhouse gases, more and more lip service to hold the line at 1.5 degrees centigrade by toothless global conferences and more and more distortions of the truth, which is at epidemic levels. Distorting the truth, and still is, one of the biggest impediments to addressing the global warming issue. In the recent past, telltale evidence of a profound change is how society approaches existential issues, reared its ugly head for four days following Donald Trump's inauguration, which boldly and falsely acclaimed the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration. Immediately thereafter, sales of George Orwell's 1984 rocketed by 10,000%, making it a number one bestseller overnight. People sensed a putrid rot lingering in the air, burning nostrils. 1984 remains the go-to source for people when truth is mutilated, language distorted, power is abused. And when we want to know how bad things can get, just think of how, unfortunately, coincidental it is that Orwell, global warming over fishing and Trump, the avatar of disinformation, should intersect at the same moment in history. The upshot is people question the credibility of facts and refuse to accept the truth when it matters most, thus crippling a public understanding of crucial scientific studies that should educate, not distract. As a result, the world community doesn't seem to know which way to turn next. It's directionless and possibly paralyzed by the overwhelming scope of a very sticky climate problem that's starting to haunt existence. Additionally, most people don't live where climate change shows up first and thus find it difficult to accept the reality of the danger. For example, who lives on the Siberian permafrost or Antarctica or Greenland? Until only recently, daily life has not been impacted by the hidden reality of a fierce and rapidly changing climate system far from urban life, which has only recently started encroaching upon all continents in 2022. Then, for the first time, the public finally saw and or felt the impact of global warming's influence as trucks delivered drinking water to more than 100 parched towns and villages in the world's most developed countries, France and Italy, and commercial barges sputtered in mud on commercial waterways of the Rhine, the Danube, the Po, whilst flash floods in China leveled 9,000 homes, a payback for concrete supplanting wetlands, and trapped subway riders with water up to their chins. These eye-popping events in 2022, none of it is normal. Meanwhile, According to a recent interview of Noam Chomsky in Boston Review, the proto-fascist guide to destroying the world, a brutal class war, has devastated much of the world and led to tremendous anger, resentment, contempt for institutions. The United States is leading the way to a kind of proto-fascism. A primary target of proto-fascism is intelligentsia's handwriting over climate change. In recent years, 
right-wing populists have positioned themselves as Europe's staunchest defenders against immigrations and threats to national sovereignty, against pandemic restrictions and the influence of global institutions, and against what they regard as national government's hysteria over climate change, which populists have described as degenerate fear-mongering at best and totalitarian at worst. The populist right, or in Chomsky's words, proto-fascists, claim green policies such as fuel taxes and decarbonization incentives represent an elitist, elitist attack on the lives of regular people, thus telegraphing the issue beyond its root cause of human-generated greenhouse gases like CO2, which is becoming too obvious for outright dismissal. In a similar fashion, they'll brush off the overfishing issue, assuming it ever rings a bell with mainstream America, which is doubtful. How is it possible to assemble a worldwide collective effort to tackle the thorny issues of climate change when disinformation muddies the waters beyond recognition? And when is it too late to do anything? And at its root cause, what's fundamentally wrong with a socio-economic system that causes and chooses to ignore ecosystem imbalances leading to collapse? A major scholarly study of the cause-effect of dangerous ecosystem imbalances concludes, The evidence is clear. Long-term and concurrent human and planetary well-being will not be achieved in the Anthropocene if affluent overconsumption continues, spurred by economic systems that exploit nature and humans. We find that, to a large extent, the affluent lifestyles of the world's rich determine and drive global environmental and social impact. Moreover, international trade mechanisms allow the rich world to displace its impact on the global poor. Not only can a sufficient decoupling of environmental and detrimental social impacts from economic growth not be achieved by technological innovation alone, but also the profit-driven mechanism of prevailing economic systems prevents the necessary reduction of impacts and resource utilization per se. In other words, neoliberal capitalism premise that a profit-driven free market best serves society needs a major overhaul, maybe go in reverse. Evidence of its failure to account for and respect and husband a livable planet is found throughout the world without the ordinary heat. Floods, fires and droughts on every continent, all of it beyond anything normal, beyond anything resembling a normal occurrence in nature, ipso facto, Milton Friedman's Richler decorated, enacted, sorry, decorated legacy, enacted by Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher is a bust. Neoliberalism's not working for the planet. There's got to be a better way. So when I picked this article, I, uh, I went over the, the multiple facts and so forth. And there is, you know, uh, some people will say, you know, there is a political angle on this. But the, the reason I, I did pick it is because it is a, a political topic. Climate has become a, a political topic and is a political topic. And although there are different points of views, I thought this one could be brought forward. For those of you who are not familiar with some of the names, I hope you'll enjoy um, uh, looking them up and finding more about them and whether it confirms your opinion, changes it or or, or anything else, it's always a great exercise. So thank you very much for listening. This is Phil Plumley. This was Phil Plumley. This is the Ocean Matters Podcast.
Until the next time.